the only one that remembers the Beatles. Hello, I'm Guy Garvey. Richard Curtis and Danny Boyle have joined forces for yesterday. We got them together to talk filmmaking. I always saw Trainspotting just as the Northern Four Weddings. Music. These songs were part of us. And a world without the Beatles. A world without the Beatles would be infinitely worse. The Yesterday Podcast, available from wherever you get your podcasts. Yesterday. When did you write that? I didn't write it. Paul McCartney wrote it. The Beatles. Welcome to the Slash Filmcast, the official podcast of SlashFilm.com. I'm Devendra Hardwar, and tonight I'm joined by... Jeff Kanata. Tonight it's just us, and we'll be reviewing Brawl in Cell Block 99, the new film from S. Craig Zoller, the guy who did Bone Tomahawk a couple years ago. Um, That was a crazy, surprisingly brutal movie, and it turns out this Mm -hmm. one sort of is too. Yeah, it's a movie I liked very much. Mm-hmm. Did we review that officially, or did we just sort of talk about it and what we've been I watching don't even back remember then? At this point, uh, we did yeah. talk about it at some point. I don't know if it was an official review. I yeah, we'll talk more about that movie and the new one coming up. Uh, as always, you can email us at slashfilmcast at gmail dot com or tweet us at slashfilmcast uh, on Twitter. Um, we don't really have much that we've been watching this week. But uh, I just wanted to say a couple things about Stranger Things 2, the new season mm-hmm. of the Netflix series. And, I'm very uh, jealous that you've had the time to already dive into that because mm-hmm. Stranger Things 2 came out on maybe arguably one of the biggest video game release days ever. Uh-huh. And uh, so I've been playing a lot of video games and watching the World Series and not being able to watch uh, Stranger Things Season 2 yet. So oh, yeah. I'm very jealous. I know a lot of people have, like, powered through already. <laughs> how far How far have you gotten into it? I'm three episodes in right now. And, you know, honestly, I want to see more. It's just been a very busy weekend. Um, a lot of products to review this year. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Cra- what a crazy holiday. We're, we're not even in November yet. And it's craziness. Yeah, I, I think this is just what happens because uh, the products have to be announced and released now, so people can buy them in time for Christmas, and uh, you know that's how consumerism works. It's pretty great. Yeah, man. Yeah, uh, yeah. Know, I ordered my iPhone X. Mm-hmm. I'm in. I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> but you didn't have to wait up until three thirty a.m. Jeff to make that happen. It was just midnight. No, for but. You. <laughs> midnight does feel like three thirty to me yeah. these days because because I go to bed at nine o'clock now. So. Oh. <laughs> Oh, man. Um, But Stranger Things 2. Based on the episodes I've seen so far, I'm really digging it. And I think, uh, to me, it seems to be even stronger than the first season. I think there's a clear sense that um, they know what they're doing with the series now. It it almost feels like they have a slightly higher budget, too. Uh, There are a lot more effects shots than before. And just the idea of uh, what the upside down and everything and kind of how that leaks into the real world. Uh, we're seeing much more of that. And, uh, you know, there's some new cast members, too. Sean Astin's in here. And also Paul Reiser is in the season as uh, one of the new government agents that we don't know if we can trust or not. Um, he's an interesting character, but I really like Sean Astin in this just because uh, it's him and Winona Ryder kind of together in a relationship and it's really weird to see two 80s stars you know (laughs) kind of uh, being the old boring parents uh in something like this that is so essentially 80s right yeah but i'm digging it so far um 
Yeah, not much I can actually say within three episodes without spoiling it very much. Um, yeah. You know, we're diving deeper into, I, I think, what happens. I don't even know if I can mention what happened at the end of season one. It's, it's kind of tough. But we're mentioning, yeah. uh, let's say we're exploring things that uh, characters are dealing with uh, after the events of season one. Characters who were maybe lost for a while. Um, I, I, I think the repercussions of that season kind of echo throughout uh, what we're seeing here. So I kind of like that. I like that they haven't just forgotten about the insanity that happened. Um, but there's clearly room for something bigger and uh, scarier to kind of happen this season. So I'm digging it so far. And all the 80s references are definitely on the nose. Like uh, the thing everyone was freaking out <laughs> about them wearing Ghostbusters costumes. That's in the second episode. It's really adorable. And I think it fits in really well. Um, but yeah, really digging it so far. I can't wait to dive in, man. I, I'm sure we'll be talking about it more on the show as as we all watch uh, watch it in our own, you know, in, in, eventually through the whole thing. <laughs> Maybe we'll even do a whole episode about about the entire season at, at some point. I think we did that for the first season, right? Yeah, I think we did. I, I think yeah. that'll be worth it just because it feels like there's a lot more to talk about this time. Uh, it may be a while before that happens, but I hope right. we have time for it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm definitely excited to watch it. It's just been there's been so much to watch, and the World Series is really good this year, and that's been taking up a lot of time. Uh, but uh, but it's <laughs> well, good. you've been watching the World Series. How was that, Jeff? Can you explain the entertainment of that to me, somebody who doesn't watch sports or baseball or anything? Well, as we're recording this, mm-hmm. which is Monday night, the 30th of October, uh, last night's game was a baseball game. This is baseball, mind you. <laughs> and the final score was 13 to 12. So Those I don't know really how numbers. much. Yeah. Yeah. 13 <laughs> to 12 in the 10th inning, which means it went longer than it was supposed to. It means tons of scoring, lots mm-hmm. of home runs, lots of big plays. I mean, there was so much excitement in that game last night, back and forth. One team would go ahead and another team would go ahead. And it was, and then it was finally tied up in the ninth. And then it went to the 10th. It, it it was absolutely thrilling. It was like three or four baseball games worth of excitement crammed into one. So yeah, it has been one of the most entertaining roller coaster ride uh, World Series I've ever seen. And <laughs> and it's kind of cool because I'm not even a Dodgers fan. I just happen to live in L.A. So it's I'm getting swept up in Dodger mania because the whole city of Los Angeles is excited about the Dodgers. So um, yeah, I can't help but but watch and be excited alongside everybody gotcha and it seems it's I, cool. I saw twitter exploding over it uh last night while i was just getting back from watching other stuff so you know that, that's super cool yeah it's i mean it's thrilling to have that much scoring and and that kind of it's anybody's game at this point i mean the series is the uh, houston is leading the series but it, it it really feels like it's up in the air until the very end in every game so yeah Good gotcha. watching. Good watching. Good watching. Actually, something I saw yesterday as well that I forgot to mention. I did see The Killing of a Sacred Deer, the new film from Jorgis oh. Lanthimos. Uh, he did uh, The Lobster a while back. And uh, mm-hmm. what was it? Uh, Dogtooth. Um, this movie is crazy. Like, uh, I, I don't even know. This is a very strange movie to recommend. Not, not sure if you've heard much about this, Jeff, but... Uh, this is another film uh, from this director starring Colin Farrell in like schlubby, uh, schlubby like everyman role. Uh, he's playing the role of a uh, of a surgeon 
who thinks himself mm. like a god. He thinks he's kind of unstoppable. Uh, and his relationship. I saw that movie. Uh-huh. It was called Malice, and it had Alec Baldwin in it. Oh, there you go. Well, also he's married <laughs> to Nicole Kidman. Uh, so this mm. this whole setup kind of reminds me of Eyes Wide Shut too. And there's a lot of like Kubrickian vibe to this film. Uh, it's kind of hard to say much about this film without spoiling too much, but uh, it basically revolves around the relationship between um, Colin Farrell's character and a boy, uh, the son of a patient of his uh, who was killed during surgery, and Colin Farrell's not, uh, maybe not taking responsibility for that, but he feels a certain sort of relationship to this uh, to this son. Uh, and he's also played by Barry Keegan, and we last saw him in... Just double check this. Yeah, he's played by Barry Keegan, uh, which we he we saw him in Dunkirk. And I oh right, was, yeah, he, yeah, he was one of the young kids in that movie, and he, he is playing a really unique role here because it's uh, this movie is sort of like a revenge thriller. So this movie feels a bit like uh, something like Old Boy, except even more fucked up and more like scornful about humanity. Um, I have a feeling Yorgos Lanthimos doesn't really think much about uh, people and how we behave <laughs> and our relationships uh, with each other. Uh, this is a pretty cold movie um, about brutal things. Uh, the opening shot alone feels like it's daring you to be to be shocked by it. Uh, it's mm. the open cavity of a man's heart. Like that that's where the movie starts and his heart is moving and you can see all the internal organs and we slowly like pan out from that. Um, yeah, I feel like that's sort of the statement here, right? Are you up for this sort of like thing, this sort of like brutal thing that's very natural? Uh, it's in all of us, but we don't normally see it, especially not so graphically in a movie like this. Uh, I'm still trying to figure out what this movie is trying to say. Uh, it feels like it's exploring ideas of like alienation between couples and families and, you know, the lines we divide between all of us uh but as i was watching this like i really just felt like i was uh, i i would have rather been watching darren aronofsky's mother again another Mm. film that i think is crazy and kind of cynical uh but also it's it's telling you know i think it's trying to convey something meaningful uh amid the insanity whereas this movie feels almost pointless to me and you know some people i've talked to you uh, some people i've talked to say that's the point um, I, I kind of find that to be bullshit in art. I don't know. Uh, it, it's something I haven't liked in films from like Gus Van Sant and, uh, and, uh, and what Lars von Trier and whatnot. Uh, the misery porn, you know, it's, it's a very type of, it's a very particular type of genre and right. yeah, I'm not always down with that. Sometimes I'm up for a really like miserable movie to see people torture themselves, uh, but I'd like to. I'd like for there to be a point to it. So, Jeff, probably, I mean, we're we're kind of talking about one of those tonight. I think. I think a, we a, sort a, of are, except I, there is, and probably there there's a good uh, correlation here. I, I guess, like a, a brawl in cell block ninety nine is a bit of a revenge film, or it turns into one. Uh, whereas, and but there is a heart to it. You know, there there is a point to it yeah. that I feel like you can really grasp as an audience, and that's just not really there for this movie. So, yeah. It just, sounds like a brutal movie that I don't necessarily <laughs> need to see. I would not recommend this to you, Jeff. Uh, I wouldn't recommend <laughs> it to anybody who generally wants to feel good walking out of a movie. Because even movies that make you suffer a little as an audience, I feel like they have to earn it. And I don't think this one quite does. 
but uh, you know, right. Yorgos Lanthimos, clearly a talented guy. Um, you know, it's an amazing looking film. Uh, there's some great shots, and I think like he is he's trying to do things that uh, I, I don't know. Not too many directors are doing. He's always trying to push boundaries. Uh, I just don't know if he's doing it uh, for any particular purpose in this movie. Mm. So there's that. Yeah. Yeah. So again, what's what's that called again? That is the killing of a sacred deer. Killing of a sacred deer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Title alone make me probably stay away. <laughs> perhaps, perhaps. <laughs> Let's move on to the slash film court. Uh, we haven't had one of these segments in a while, but we got this letter in the mail, and uh, I read the title aloud to Jeff, and he was all for it. Oh yes, yes. So let's uh, let's dive into this one. Uh, this is from Christopher Zacharias, and the subject line I believe was just "dog in theater," which uh, you know <laughs> that's a that's a good clickbaity email subject line. That's Man a good way dog. to get your slash film court uh, email looked at for sure. <laughs> Do something good with your subject line. Uh, but let's dive into it here. During the opening week of it, I managed to sneak out of work early to attend a showing at the cinema a few blocks from my office. It was a rare rainy day in San Francisco, perfect for movie watching. I excitedly skip-mocked my way to the theater, having gotten the last reservable seat in the main seating area. I chuckled to myself that it was clearly meant to be. By the time I took my seat, the lights were down and the trailers had begun playing. It was at this point that I realized that what I thought was the woman's purse next to me had started to move. This is definitely horror movie type stuff. (laughs) Yeah, it was a clown! (laughs) It was a clown. The woman had brought her small terrier with her to the movie. I found this to be curious. However, in overly dog-friendly San Francisco, it was not beyond the pale. It was much too small to be a guide dog in the absence of any other information. I presumed it must be either a therapy animal or smuggled in under that commonly used excuse. The dog was quiet and well-behaved, so I shrugged it off and settled into the opening scenes of the movie. About ten minutes in, I began to sense a familiar but out-of-place odor. It was a smell of wet dog. I looked over and realized that the dog was still soaking wet from the rain. Almost on cue, it stood up and proceeded to shake out the water all over myself, the woman, and the person next to the right. Perhaps sensing my fury, it immediately sat back down and went to sleep. Rather than cause a scene, I chose to stay quiet and focus on the movie as the story was starting to rope me in. Oh man, this story... (laughs) <laughs> this story so basically nothing nothing happened for a while then the dog began to make subtle repetitive sounds almost like a clock ticking during the quiet moments in the movie's most intense scene the dog had begun drooming itself now that its fur had dried from the rain <laughs> the sounds were from it licking itself i wanted to scream but i was the only person close enough to even hear these sounds i want to confront the woman but figured that the th- I wanted to confront the woman, but figured that this theater had allowed this dog in for some reason. For example, ADA compliance. It was arguably well-behaved, and the disruptions it was causing were so subtle that they likely only impacted me. While I knew I had the right to bring it up, I did not want to trigger explanations and debate. Part of me even felt sorry for the dog, having to suffer through the the loud sound effects and crowd reactions that it probably understood nothing about. Instead, I struggled through the remainder of the movie with one eye on the dog and one eye on the screen, seething with anger. I left the theater with a number of questions. If the dog was just a normal pet, what kind of owner exposes their dog to that kind of noise and imagery? Conversely, if the dog was registered as a therapy animal, as the owner suffers from some form of anxiety, is seeing the horror film It in a dark, packed movie theater really the smartest (laughs) idea? With the exception of guide dogs, I cannot think of any reason why a dog should be in a movie theater. Can you? Jeff, I feel like you had thoughts about this. 
I definitely do. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that dogs in places is a scourge, a scourge. I say <laughs> now, our our wonderful uh, uh, slash film court submitter Christopher brings up a thing that complicates all of these kinds of situations, which is mm-hmm. these uh, these guide dogs, these therapy dogs, these this new thing where therapy animal is sort of as he even points out in his email is kind of this blanket explanation so that it becomes you become unable to criticize because there's some situation happening and you need to have a therapy animal. And yes, I right. don't want to sound insensitive to that situation. And I'm sure that actually does help a lot of people. But I do think as Christopher points out, there is a contradiction here in going to see it (laughs) and needing a therapy animal, but I guess everybody should be able to see whatever they want. The point is I see dogs in grocery stores. I see dogs at restaurants. I see dogs everywhere. Stop it with the dogs. Stop it. Stop it with the dogs. And you know, bringing I, a dog into a movie, there's there's no reason, there's no good reason to bring a dog into a movie. <laughs> I'm sorry. If you need a seeing eye dog, I, I don't know. Maybe you shouldn't be at a movie. I don't want to be that guy, but I, I don't know. Like, is there right. – Well, they're I, I at least know. trained to behave in ways where it sounds like this one is not. You know, a seeing eye dog, a therapy dog, a real therapy dog, not like the ones that you just get with like a certificate off the internet. Um, you know, they're trained. They're trained to behave – and you know, not right. be t- super disruptive and focus on their, uh, you know, the person they're taking care of. Uh, this is not great. This is certainly like I've also seen dogs everywhere, and I realize people love their dogs. I have cats, so I'm not exactly a dog person, but I understand it. You know, we we love our pets; they're part of the family. Um, I do think a lot of dog owners make the mistake of thinking we all love their dogs as much as we do. Um, right. Yeah, and that's it. Like your dog, it's adorable. I want to pet it. Sure, it's it's nice and fuzzy. But, you know, it's also it, – they smell a little and uh, they're not great when they're wet and certainly when they're making other people wet and making noises during quiet things. That's not the best scenario. Uh, so I, I think we and both I, agree that this dog probably didn't belong in the movie theater, right? Did not belong in the movie theater. Mm-hmm. You do not belong in the movie theater if you can't go to the movie theater without your dog. I'm right. sorry. I'm sorry. I know it's insensitive to people that need dogs, but – a, the, there's a place for a dog and there's a not place for a dog in the movie theater. There is no situation where you should be bringing a dog to a movie theater. In my opinion, I will also say one of my favorite parts of this email, a part that I definitely, uh, I, I, it resonates with me in a very deep level uh-huh. is when he mentions the fact that the dog made very, very tiny sounds, but those very tiny sounds were hugely disruptive to his movie going experience yeah, because yeah. I think one of the mistakes some people make is feeling like the only thing that can be disruptive is very loud noises like a cell phone going off or people talking. No, very <laughs> small sounds can be just as problematic in a movie theater. Yeah. And I will I will come up I will actually come on on record on this one as hating something that I think most people probably will disagree with me. Tell me if you've had this experience, uh-huh. Kendra. Because uh-huh. we go to press screenings, and uh, at a press screening, so often I will get set. I will have my seat nice and early, and then invariably the person that sits next to me is some journalist from some newspaper that decides they need to pull out their pen and paper <laughs> and take notes during the movie. 
And I, it drives me insane. Oh, is it really the, the writing part that drives you insane? The writing, the mm-hmm. writing, the fact that like something will happen in a movie and then you just hear right next to you, the little, the scrawling of the note. I'm like, if, if you can't remember what happened in a movie immediately after the movie, then you are bad at your job. You can't review <laughs> movies if you if you can't sit through an entire two-hour movie and not take notes. Well, to be fair, like it, when writing movie reviews, it is really helpful to take notes. Like that That is a thing. Uh, I remember reading stories about how Roger Ebert used to do that, and he would just have like a pile of papers, and he would, uh, you know, he'd jot down notes, and he'd like tear off a piece of the notebook paper and just like let it fall on the floor next to him or let like rest on his lap. So, and that's, you know, that's oh, drives me crazy, man. It's insane. I, I, I agree uh, that it can be annoying. And that's something, uh, you know, learn to write a little softer or get like a softer tipped pen or something. But uh, just remember you know. things. Oh, How hard is tough. it to remember the things? Because there's so many things to remember, right? There are lines of dialogue. There's specific bits that's easy to forget. Um, what I tend to do if I don't have a notepad with me and I have to write up a movie, uh, I tend to do like a brain dump after it. So I will just yeah, like, sit outside fun. the theater and just like, yeah, dump it all into like a note file or something. Uh, but yeah, yeah, if you go to critic screenings, you will get people writing in their notepads. Uh, I would think that most people would, you know, maybe think a little more about the sounds they're making while doing that. The things that annoy me are more like the crinkly things, right? So, mm. you know, crinkly candies, 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 yeah. uh, gums in like the plastic packs, and you gotta you gotta like crinkle them out. And yeah. people always do it as slowly as possible too, because they think that's <laughs> better rather than just doing it quickly and getting it over and done with. Uh, that is the most annoying thing because everybody makes that mistake and people don't see the big deal with it. I've also read that some people are just more uh, susceptible to being annoyed by those types of sounds. So that's the thing. Well, too. It's sort of like cilantro. I'm guilty on that one. Argue it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's hard to argue it if like somebody's just predisposed to thinking this sounds awful and uh, they want everyone to stop. But yeah, so as for this dog situation, Jeff, uh, what are uh, he, what, what do you do? You're in a reserve seat. It's the yeah, last what seat. What do you do? Yeah, what do you do? I think I would say something. Uh-huh. I know this guy was being polite and he understood that he was the only one at a problem. I would I would say something. I mean, his assumption that the theater let the dog in mm-hmm. because there's some sort of dog-related issue with the patron, I don't know if that's necessarily the case. Right. Like they may have just smuggled the dog yeah, in like I sometimes smuggle in yeah. like I smuggle in my plastic bag full of spaghetti. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, I know people who can smuggle in like cups of coffee into the theater, right? If you if you can bring in a hot liquid or something, like it's there, there are a lot of things you could sneak into the movie theater. I'm sure that dog was just smuggled in. Um, I think telling the theater, well, first asking her, right, to you know, to just say, hey, can you quiet down your dog, or you know, put her on the floor or something. I, I don't know where yeah. it was exactly. Um, see if that helps. But after that, what can you do? You can tell the theater, but then you're disrupting the the movie, right? To get up and go Ugh. see something. And this is one of those things I kind of chalk up to, you know, that's life. Unfortunately, like uh, we run this segment because we want people to have a place to vent. But really, that's all it is sometimes, right? Sometimes life serves you a lemon of a situation and you're just like stuck there and you have to make the best of it. Uh, yeah. What you're saying, Devendra, is we need to have some sort of deployable service <laughs> where they can immediately call on us for help, and then we can 
we can shoot out to the their theater and and confront the people in their stead this and be, be like hey we TV are the series yeah we are duly appointed members of the slash film court and we're here to adjudicate justice right now in your theater <laughs> ma'am please put your dog back in your purse and kindly move out uh this sounds like a great web, web series that somebody should make <laughs> at some point <laughs> Yeah, we're available. Hire us. Yes. Well, Christopher, uh, we have judged in your favor. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I hope you don't have any other dog scenarios that you have to deal with moving forward. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> well, let's move on to news. There's just uh, right before we started recording, there's one big explosive piece of news uh, landing, at least within the film yeah. world. Uh, but Jeff, you want to talk about that? Yeah, um, I mean, there's lots of explosive news yeah. landing all over the place these days. Uh, but amid all of the Harvey Weinstein fallout that has been stretching across really every industry yeah. and every facet of life, it's had ripple effects throughout everything. Um, there are more uh, dominoes that have been falling inside Hollywood as well. One of them is Kevin Spacey. Uh, he actually faced allegations um, from uh, an actor who is now on um, Star Trek. What is he on? Yeah. Star Trek. Trek. Yeah. A new actor on Star Trek. But evidently when he was at the young age of 14, he uh, claims to have had a uh, inappropriate advance from Kevin Spacey. Uh, Spacey came out with a statement today actually apologizing for that. And the actor's Uh, name is Anthony Rapp, by the way. He's been in a bunch of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he, uh, Spacey came out and apologized for that and released a statement. And inside that statement, actually the first time he publicly acknowledged being gay or living a gay lifestyle. Now he said in the statement that he has loved, uh, people of both sexes, but, uh, is currently living the life of a gay man. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a lot of people, including, uh, a lot of prominent gay actors and actresses, um, have spoken out pretty vociferously about his poor handling of this situation. Oh yeah. Um, and, uh, saying that it was a, a kind of a, a bad way to conflate something that is really, you know, a criminal act and something that is highly inappropriate and wouldn't be condoned by any uh, sexual persuasion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, that is, you know, uh, trying to have a physical relationship with an underage uh, person. Yeah conflating that with being a gay man and the fact that he said uh, part of his um, part of his process in dealing with this is is being honest about who he is um, so in coming out and using using this situation as a way to come out um, I think he's faced a lot of, of criticism and rightfully so mm-hmm. also uh, alongside that we get news on slash film uh, com about the fact that this will be the final season of House of Cards that they're currently shooting now, season six. And a lot of people think that this may have something to do with that, that Mm -hmm. Netflix no longer wants to have anything to do with uh, Kevin Spacey. So what do you make of all this, Devendra? It's, uh, you know, it's crazy news. So, you know, I I feel terrible for Anthony Rapp and, you know, what he has had to go through here. as for Kevin Spacey, like that apology, everything about that statement feels like bullshit. Uh, unfortunately, like blaming his behavior on being drunk, which is basically not taking you know uh, 
not acknowledging that you were the one behaving that way. Um, didn't he say he didn't even remember it? Right. Well, he said it, it must have been 30 years ago. And so he doesn't have any recollection, yeah. but he uh, does apologize. And it's yada, a bullshit yada. move. And he knows what he's doing, um, you know, by making this also his coming out moment. Like it is a major deflection. And as we saw in news um, articles last night, I, I see I saw people leading with the news that Kevin Spacey comes out of the closet, not Kevin Spacey was, you know, uh, being fingered for this particular uh, a bit of harassment. And, yeah. And yeah. Zachary Quinto actually wrote a statement mm-hmm. on Twitter that directly uh, points to what you're talking about. And he said that uh, it's deeply sad and troubling that this is how Kevin Spacey has chosen to come out, not by standing up as a point of pride, but as a calculated manipulation to deflect attention from the very serious accusation that he attempted to molest yeah. somebody. So, um, you know, I, I think it's – I'm I'm a huge Kevin Spacey fan as far as his acting work. I have been one for many, many years. I think he's an incredible talent. Mm-hmm. And it sucks that we keep getting these stories from uh, people that whose work I really love and respect, uh, that they seem to have been shitty people in in their life. And it's yeah. the only good silver lining about all this is that it really feels like this is a sea change moment and so much of this is coming out and so much of this behavior will no longer be tolerated yeah i I think that's the best thing about uh everything we're seeing now post uh harvey weinstein and also uh you know we've i I feel like we've heard rumblings about things like this around kevin spacey for a while and that's really all they were they were rumors for a very long time and you know we're in a culture now where at least people feel like they can come out and talk about this stuff and yeah there is a better culture of accountability or hopefully that's what we're building right now so that's really all i can hope for um but yeah it's it's a shame and who knows how far this goes with kevin spacey um and and others and And how much how many other stories we're going to hear over the next weeks and months as Mm -hmm. as more people are emboldened to come forward with their stories and and more awful behavior is going to be you know unearthed i think that that uh it's it's really disgusting, and you hear these crazy stories uh, uh, of mm-hmm. of these real awful predators, and then people that have you know I don't know. I, it, it's a it's a range, but it's all it's all good that no longer people can't get enough eye popping, jaw dropping, heart stopping reality TV. It's the best. Then head to Hey You, home of reality on demand. Stream and download the latest episodes from shows like Keeping Up with the Kardashians and The Real Housewives, same day as the US. What's more fun than that? Or binge old faves like The Simple Life and The Hills. That's hot. Hey You, reality on demand. Start your one month free trial now. People feel the the need to stay silent about mm-hmm. this stuff, and I, I really hope this means that there will be less of this behavior, not only in Hollywood, but Hollywood, but anywhere, anywhere yeah. that yeah, people sure. in power feel like they can use that power for uh, crappy crappy means. For sure, like it's uh, it's all about accountability. I think too, like. For a while, a lot of these stories are things people would, you know, tell each other secretly or like secretly warn, yeah, warn other folks about like being uh, with this yeah. particular person alone or something. And hopefully, like, yeah, the, these things will come out and more accountability will make this sort of behavior you know, not something anybody would really abide anymore.
All right. Well, let's move on to our review of Brawl in Cell Block 99. Every once in a while, I see a man in that chair who could just as easily be on this side of the table. That muscle's just for show. Helps me lift stuff. Man principle. Relinquish it now. You know the difference between right or wrong. And you have a moral compass. I knew before you told me that you got an American flag in your home, you probably got more than one. You're a patriot. And that was from the trailer for Brawl and Cell Block 99, the new film written and directed by S. Craig Zoller, the director of Bone Tomahawk. And uh, I'm just going to read the uh, description here from IMDb. A former boxer turned drug runner lands in a prison battleground after a deal gets deadly. That's a good description of this movie, actually. (laughs) Yeah. 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 And this movie stars Vince Vaughn in a way that I don't think we've ever really seen him before. Um, It actually reminds me of what was that movie he did? um, Return to Paradise, was it called? Mm. Uh, I've not seen that. There's a movie. There's a movie where he like has to or he has to go to prison, or his friend goes to prison. Mm. Uh, and uh, anyway, super serious move. <laughs> you, you don't see him do this very often, but when he does, I think he's got the chops to pull it off. He does. I mean, also this guy, he is super tall. You know, when he beefs up, he's he's a very imposing figure. I think he was trying to get into that in um, True Detective season two. Uh, you know, that season wasn't very well written, but I thought he was one of the better parts of it. Uh, actually, I forget even. I, I've tried to like wipe away the entire memory of that season. Uh, but, you know, he stars in this movie as a, you know, as, as a big bruiser type of guy. He's a guy that doesn't take any shit. Um, he is married to Jennifer Carpenter's character. He, Jennifer Carpenter mm-hmm. is also in this movie. Don Johnson of Miami Vice fame shows up in, in a great, like, ch- scenery-chewing role. Uh, it's yeah. a very simple film. Um, I feel like we will need spoilers for this because there's, there's a certain amount of like space where uh i don't know where this movie gets really crazy but uh you know when i first started hearing about this movie from fantastic fest which is one of the places it first screened um i was hearing just how crazy this movie was and how ultra violent it was and when this movie starts you don't really see that right it feels like a pretty no, straightforward for a long time uh-huh it feels like a straightforward crime thriller uh vince vaughn is a criminal with sort of a heart of gold or he has standards right he doesn't there are things he wouldn't do. He has a set of principles and he sticks by them, even if that costs him, you know, jail time and time away from his family and things like that. And I always find stories like that really interesting. Uh, what I love about this movie, uh, it's clear that, uh, you know, Zoller is going for a very like 70s vibe. This reminds me of slower uh, 70s, like crime and jail films, maybe something like uh, Dog Day Afternoon um, about people, you know, people with principles and who are doing things that you may not always agree with, but they're always really interesting to watch and their journeys are kind of fascinating too. Uh, I also really dig the soundtrack to this. Um, I noticed that uh, Craig Zoller did, uh, he co-wrote a bunch of these songs. These aren't like songs straight from the seventies. These are things that, you know, were created. Oh really? Yeah. And they have just like a great vibe of like old seventies, like soul tunes and uh, yeah. 
I didn't catch that. That's crazy. Yeah, I, I, was, I felt like they were just really obscure songs mm-hmm. I didn't know. <laughs> I was just noticing that in the credits. Like this movie, just it it is something that's trying to evoke an era, even though it's set in today. And I just kind of appreciate that. Like those movies, they're they're a little slower. You watch something like The French Connection. You know that movie takes a while to get going. There isn't much action, right. but what's there is astounding. And then you really get into it because you're really into these characters, and they're not characters you might necessarily like and people you want to be. But they're interesting people. Um, I felt that way about this movie. Uh, it definitely goes into ultra-violent territory. It reminds me a lot of uh, Riccio, the story of Ricky. Have, have you heard of that one, Jeff? No, I haven't. That was a 90s Hong Kong action film uh, known for its ultra-violence. Uh, the, the main character can like uh, think he can rip off limbs and pop out eyeballs at will. It's, a, it's pretty over-the-top. It's pretty crazy. <laughs> and it is insane to me that this movie starts in such a grounded place and ends up in a place... That feels just as crazy as that. And I can appreciate that. I love genre hopping. Uh, Bone Tomahawk was a bit of a horror western. And, you know, we don't see too many of those. And that movie was also brutal. And I thought, you know, pretty pretty great all around. Uh, in, in many ways, though, I kind of like this movie more. I, I connect more with this character. Uh, this movie has a great emotional core all through it. Like, uh, aside from his principles, Vince Vaughn's character is clearly committed to his wife and committed to like making their relationship work and building a family. And I found that all pretty compelling and he really sold it. He and Jennifer Carpenter, an actress I don't typically uh, like, honestly, mm. like she, she was in Dexter for a while and I hated her. She, she was one of the really? worst aspects of that show for me. Um, she, she just never really felt authentic in that show. Whereas here she, she's a little more believable. I think her character doesn't have, as much agency as I would like. Uh, but she, you know, she, she has a bit, she, she has a personality. She clearly has her own, like, you know, her own hopes and dreams. And I, you know, I was just kind of rooting for their relationship, even though this movie doesn't give us much time with them together. So that that's me, Jeff, what did you think about this movie? Well, I disagree with you about it being better than bone Tomahawk. Sure. I definitely thought that movie was, was much better. Uh, and th- this is sort of the story of a sociopath who uh, <laughs> tries to do something good with himself. Um, it is – you're right. It is a movie about a brute, a brute. And the thing I like the most about casting Vince Vaughn is it seems to me in the real world, in real life, the strong dude who can just beat the crap out of somebody who you do not want to mess with – Never looks like Brock Lesnar right, or right. Arnold Schwarzenegger. Right. You know, they're never the guy that's like uh, the action star bod. They're always this sort of like they're big, but they're unassuming almost, mm-hmm. and yet that you don't n- not want to mess with that guy. And that's the character in this movie, right? He's just he's just a brute, mm-hmm. and all of the fighting in this movie is sort of clumsy and slow and it's the opposite of like a hong kong action film you <laughs> well, know it's like purely They're, efficient right he just does whatever it takes to like disable his opponent in right very, very he quick just ways. yeah beats them down you know <laughs> and there are a couple of flourishes like he'll you know use somebody's fist to punch somebody else you know yeah there are a couple of those things but actually those are the exception rather than the rule and in fact when those happen i was like you don't need to do that movie we're in a different place. We're, you, didn't, you didn't even need to go, be that clever. Just like watch him just <laughs> club a guy. That's really what it is with his big meat hook fists. You know, that's kind of all he does is just take punishment and deliver punishment. Mm-hmm. 
But I'm kind of getting ahead of myself. You're right that the movie starts in a completely different place. In fact, the first thing we ever see him do is like beat the crap out of a car, yeah. not a person. Yeah. And that really conveys so much about this 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 big lumbering oaf who who just will just beat on something and not feel it in his fist. But he you know? had, he had like, a reason he, to, right? The, the, there's a specific thing yeah. that happens that causes him to do that. And I found it, yeah, I, I just found that interesting. Like, that is his response, right? He has all this rage. He has to channel it somewhere, and rather than, like, hurt somebody he actually loves who may have hurt him, you know, it's just like he has to unleash it here. Um, it's a very, like, it's almost monk-like in what he's doing, right? He's He's always focused. He's generally very calm about what he's doing. And he takes methodical. things very methodical. Methodical is the word that yeah. I would use. Yeah. Very methodical. Takes things very matter of factly. The movie starts with him losing his job, him trying to like basically make a living with his wife and build a family and do it the right way. And society is just like, no, because of, you know, for whatever reason, we're not gonna let you do that. So he wants a better life, he's gonna do the bad thing to kind of get there. And uh, you know, it's a uh, he makes very specific moral choices that I found kind of fascinating, uh, but I guess we'll have to jump into spoilers to get into some of those. I don't know if I don't know if I would agree with monk like. It almost felt like he was Lenny from Of Mice and Men. Oh yeah, he, yeah. I mean, slightly. I mean, maybe a little bit more mental capacity than <laughs> Lenny, but it was more like he's just like guy. okay, I've made. Yeah. He's a smart guy, very much. He, he outsmarts a lot of people in this movie, but he also is just sort of. He's he's so he, well. I guess it is monk like because he's he's very serene. He just accepts his yes. fate and he knows the decisions that he's made. And okay, that's the consequences for my decisions. And here we go. Um, and it is the movie is methodical. The character is methodical. The fights are methodical. Everything is sort of plodding and slow. And and to to a certain extent, I didn't like that, but I also <laughs> kind of respected it. You know, like yeah, it yeah. it. It is so intentional that pace and everything. He's he doesn't rush anywhere. He doesn't need to. He mm-hmm. just <laughs> moves into a room and beats up everybody in it. You know exactly. Um, exactly. That's the entire movie. Is like but, him, and we're constantly seeing how bigger he is compared to everybody else. Too like it, it kind of yeah, relies a lot right. on that perspective. Which you never really think about with Vince Vaughn. Like yeah, he's always yeah. been. Six five in every movie, mm-hmm. but in this movie, like he's really six five. You know, um, <laughs> they even have a conversation and, about his height at one point. I find it kind of funny, right? Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. The biggest problem that I had with this movie, honestly, Devendra, is that it's called Brawl in Cell Block ninety nine. <laughs> that was a pretty and big that's brawl. Like, it's it's not like a jail wide well, brawl, but it's a uh, pretty pretty intense. This movie is over two hours long. Uh-huh. And the brawl in Cell Block 99 takes place in the last 20 minutes. <laughs> so it's sort of like calling Star Wars Assault on the Death Star. You know, it's like, what's this Death Star? And I'm waiting around for us to assault it. Let, uh-huh. Let's let's get to that. And I kind of felt like this movie really did itself no favors by setting up something called Cell Block 99 mm-hmm. that I we don't hear about forever and a brawl in it that's coming and yet the movie has so much more interesting stuff to to deliver before that if i hadn't been sitting around waiting for a brawl to happen inside prison like there's the movie there's no indication at the beginning of it that we're ever going to even end up in prison right, except right. that the title of the movie says there's going to be a brawl in a prison <laughs> everybody get ready for that um so I expect I expected when i sat down to see a movie called Bra- brawl in cell blocks 99 to like it'd be this giant prison break movie or mm-hmm. something and it 
I think it, it just really did itself a disservice not calling itself something else so that we could be invested in this guy's life and then be surprised that he ends up in prison yeah. because it doesn't really – it's not a foregone conclusion at the beginning of the movie that he's going to end up in prison except the fact that the title says there's going to be a brawl. <laughs> In cell block ninety nine, everybody. Us, the movie's poster is him and his uh, what his uh, lineup shot too. Yeah. So, so there's that. I I kind of understand what you're saying, and I've heard this from a couple people too that uh, maybe the the title kind of oversold what this movie would be. I think uh, you know there is a brawl. It is pretty brutal, and unlike what you see in most movies, so I don't feel like I felt undersold about that. Uh, the title is like it is definitely kitschy or campy in a way. That feels like something you'd see in a 70s exploitation film. Like, that that's kind of what yeah. it's going for. This feels like a movie, uh, you know, my dad would have loved, uh, you know, growing up or something. Like, <laughs> it's something I would easily recommend to him. And he's also used to some of those, you know, slower movies from back in the day that I, I think he'd really be down with it. But, you know, ultimately, I just, I admire this movie because it is... We we just don't see too many things like this today. And we do see some directors, I think Ty West kind of also explores doing like very purposeful and slow films uh, that kind of explode towards the end. And I've never really been satisfied by those. Whereas this one, I'm really, I was invested in the character. I was invested in his relationship and how he handled every situation. Right. Like this is, he's a fascinating person. I just want to sit down and talk with this guy and how he views the world and you know, what he goes through. Uh, He, he feels like a wise guy who's seen a lot of shit and is just trying to like survive in any way he can. But anything else you want to mention, Jeff, before we dive into spoilers? No, I think uh, I think spoilers is is a good place to go at this sure. point. Uh, I didn't I didn't dislike this movie. I hear you. I hear you. I've heard yeah. mixed things about this film, um, but you know, I I tend to like experimental films that try and maybe don't succeed in doing everything they set to do. Uh, but I was thoroughly entertained. Like I saw this movie. Um, so on Sunday night, after writing for like six hours straight, I was super tired. I had to get up early this morning to like shoot a video. Uh, I just, was just not in the best mood for a slow paced movie. And I was just on board with it completely. So yeah, I, cool. I don't know. A strong recommendation for me. If any of this description sounds intriguing, I, I think it's worth watching for you for sure. And, yeah. And it's available on demand. We should mention that yes. too. It's uh, on iTunes and, uh, Amazon as well available yeah you can rent it and not feel too bad about it honestly i'm kind of uh i'm kind of kicking myself for not buying it outright but the digital extras were not great um Mm. this is a movie i'd like to own and go back to i just like the way it's constructed Uh, but with that let's dive into spoilers now you're looking for the secret can i see this coming no but you won't find it because of course you're not gonna see this coming you're not really looking i have been puzzling over how it you don't really want to work it out. Who's in the box? I have been dying to tell you. I want to tell you my secret now. You want to be fooled. So the main plot of this movie, Jeff, right? The thing that, uh, you know, kind of gets him into jail and then they kidnap his uh, they kidnap his wife and he has to get to the cell block to kill this person. Um, right. you know, how did you feel about the progression of this movie? Like, I, I felt like that whole scenario where the drug deal is going down... And he just shoots the guys. He shoots the guys he was working with. Probably, right. I wonder what the mental calculation is there. But how how did that all go down for you? I assumed, based on the conversation that he then later has with the detective uh-huh. in the interrogation room, is that he decided his his sort of moral code 
was these guys are shitbags. He decided that right when he met them. Yes. That was his instinct, yeah. right? Yeah. And that they're going to kill these cops and I have an obligation to stop them from killing these cops. Mm-hmm. Um, even though that's going to get me arrested, no doubt. Yeah. And I think that's kind of like his – he's always like, well, I got to do this thing. I know it's going to it's gonna be bad for me but mm-hmm. I can't not do it. And he just instantly always decides, OK, that's what I do. The thing that confused me, Devendra, and mm-hmm. maybe you can clear this up. The main bad guy, uh-huh. s- he sends the sends the guy to his original prison to give him the message about his kidnapped wife. Yes. In order for him to get himself into that prison, so then that guy can kill him himself. Oh yeah, yeah, that's what it is. It, okay. He wants to. He wants to get him there so he can just basically torture him. Until, you know, the drug lord wants to torture him until he can kill him or something. So he tells him he has to kill him. Like he he sets himself up as the target. He didn't even give his own name. He was just like somebody. Just get here. Right. And I think he knew with the stakes, like knowing how this guy thinks, maybe it's like, oh, yeah, just give him this insane situation. Like go kill this dude. The key is he just needed him in cell block 99. Right. Right. Okay. Mm -hmm. So they were just mad that he was incarcerated and therefore they were unable to kill him. So they wanted to get into a situation where they could kill him. Yeah, and I think specifically this drug lord, like, you know, had, a, had feels like a personal vendetta against him. Even though, like, right. everything, um, you know, Vince Vaughn's character told him. was like, hey, maybe don't. I, I'm going to do this on my own. Not going to trust... Uh, Right. Not going to trust your dudes. Uh, like everything he told him, like he he warned the drug lord about what would have happened. Uh, he even tried to stop those dudes and they still went ahead and did it. So, yeah, I found that kind of interesting as well. Yeah. Rather than no, seeing I, that, like him trying to save uh, the drug lord from his own mistakes. Right. He, he wants to take revenge. Yeah. Yeah. Uh how did you feel about the very, very end? I mean, I guess that was inevitable, uh-huh. right? Did you feel like that was that was poetic and beautiful that he knew he was going to die and he oh, yeah. sort of accepted there, it? There's no escape yeah. from that. And I think at one point we see him kind of accept that this would be the reality. Like, I think at some point he talks about his wife in the past tense or something. Yeah, he says, mm-hmm. um, he says, is she going to wait for you? And he's like, she would have. He like yeah. smiles and said she would have. Yeah. And that is Which so, is, is him realizing that yeah. he's not getting out of this alive. Yeah. So nice and simple. Um, I, yeah, I thought that was a really, you kind of know where this movie would go. And I think seeing him accept that fate and do everything he can to fix his own mistake and save his wife. Um, you know, it, it all really worked for me. And that final shot. It's just fantastic. Like, he knows where this is all going to go. Yeah, just just really fascinating. And I like that this movie has a lot of little bits of just, like, genius and small, fun things. Um, When he goes, like, when he first enters prison, uh, you know, he's kind of quipping with all the guards. Like, that. the first guy, whose name I can't remember, the the one who takes his items and makes him go in the back of the line. It's a character actor. We see him all the time. Yeah, he's in all kinds of stuff. Yeah, he's in a lot of Coen brothers. Yeah, yeah. Just great to see. I like that, you know, this movie has a banter. He has a Bradley Thomas has a sense of humor about himself and, you know, he a sense of the world, I guess. Uh, his conversation with the people who are like uh, giving him the body search, right? Um, <laughs> he's like, yeah. oh, yeah, I, I, oh, yeah, I figured I'm going to put my clothes in this thing. And they're like, uh, one of the guys is like, maybe we should let him go to cure cancer or unify the <laughs> string theories. And that's yeah. like a nice little, this is a nice little line. 
I don't know. And I feel like yeah. I haven't seen that too much in films. Uh, everybody has a little bit of character, right? That first, uh, the first guard, like, really wants him in the boxing thing and kind of fucks with him mm-hmm. a little to kind of try to get him in there. Doesn't really work out for Yeah, him. it's so yeah. sad how he, like, apologizes to him right before Vince Vaughn beats the crap out of him yeah. because Vince Vaughn has to. Like, he yep. he has to do that to get himself put into the, you know, so, the mm-hmm. worst part of the prison but that dude's like legit like oh, i'm sorry man i was just i was yeah. giving you a bad time it's like right before <laughs> this shit really it breaks his arm it's yeah. like oh it's awful just so bad just so, so bad but also like that that is the first like bit of escalated violence we see in this movie it's like it's so casual yeah. right he breaks his arm like a twig and that's where i yeah. that's where i was like oh i i see what this movie is doing this is this is a very riccio movie uh, <laughs> riccio's a movie also about jail too like it's about prisoners in jail uh worth watching because it's super campy uh but yeah so yeah, the moment where he steps on the dude's face yep. and drags his oh oh man the final fight yeah that, that is all part ugh. of the big final fight but yeah there, there's that exploding head there is what uh smashing the drug lord's head down the uh basically like stomping it off in the poop hole yeah they don't have yeah. uh toilets in that in cell block 99 uh, this movie goes really hardcore. Um, I, I saw a lot of people saying like, oh man, I've never seen this before. And that's, I don't think that's necessarily true. I've definitely seen worse in things like Rikio and things like, uh, there's yeah. a lot of like uh, Japanese like exploitation films that really go hardcore. Takashi Miike like is, it goes pretty crazy in some of his stuff. But within the genre that this movie is trying to tell, I think it is a surprising thing to see. It's sort of like seeing, uh, like if Dog Day Afternoon ended up uh, being a situation where people were just exploding heads all over the place. <laughs> well, it's the thing that you don't nu- usually see in movies like this is mm-hmm. that it's it's all it's inelegant. Like yeah. he is just doing the quickest, you know, between two points, the quickest route between two points yep. to get the job done. And he he wants to murder a person, and he doesn't have anything other than his legs and arms, and so he's going to use those to murder a person. Like that's it is not flashy. It is not stylized it is just oh the easiest way to do this is to put your head on the ground and stomp on it until you're dead yeah. that's what i'll do it's yeah <laughs> that's why it's harsh you know that's why it's very harsh. harsh but also you know very purposeful and methodical i think like the way the movie is too like i just i appreciate that those aspects of how the movie reflects the character as well um i have to say though uh, among my complaints like I, I understand like tonally this movie shifts all over the place and for some folks like that's just hard to swallow I do think some of the special effects don't look great, unfortunately, especially when I've mm. seen like low budget movies, you know, from Hong Kong doing similar things in the 90s and the 80s. Um, specifically, that head dragging effect when he drags his, that guy's face along the ground, it really just looks like a puppet. It, it doesn't really look real. I, yeah, I did not need that to be more real. <laughs> <laughs> I just the, feel just like the you're idea gonna do this, of it alone, <laughs> you know, just do it. But yeah, the idea of it alone. But then they show us the face after, and even that's yeah. like, oh, what? Okay, it, it's just like a slightly messed up face, I guess. Uh, but I, the other <laughs> things, like the bone crunching and the arm breaking, uh, those things all yeah. work out pretty well. And I think, in some ways, um, other than the emotional core too, like this movie feels like it's exploring certain ideas about the jail system uh it's certainly like heightened and not and very hyperbolic it's not like a very realistic portrayal uh but i do think it's kind of it's trying to do something and just based on reports we've heard too like maximum security prisons can certainly be vicious not like cell block 99 
but as vicious as where he was uh, before that, the the initial part yeah. of that prison. Yeah, there's a line that Don Johnson says where, like, I don't think the ACLU would like anything that's down here. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and then that prison is basically, like, the prison from every exploitation film ever, right? It's it's literally a dungeon. There are no toilets. People poop in holes. And the ground is covered in glass. Like, just these little elements. Yeah. Uh, the, the, like, uh, the punishment belt uh, that would basically yeah, but it seriously yeah. has nobody ever thought of putting something <laughs> between the belt and their body before. Like that's the first time anyone yeah. thought of that. Yeah, it just <laughs> I mean, I thought it was clever, but yeah. it was a little obvious. A little obvious. Uh, yeah. I love that whole scene though, where when he does that, and then he basically has to take down the cops, and he takes their gun. The gun doesn't work. <laughs> I don't know. Like all the little setups, I really, I really dig this movie. I think it probably could have served to be shorter to get sure. to the point. But I also feel like I I kind of like existing in this world and taking these drives with this character and just kind of being in his shoes for a while. Um, yeah, I really appreciate that. Uh, but anything else you want to mention, Jeff? No, I think that I think that covers. I mean, it's it, it's uh, it's not exactly a feel good hit, but I think it's it's well made mm-hmm. and uh, it's certainly an interesting side of Vince Vaughn. I think Vince Vaughn's performance is pretty pretty interesting, and the and the fact mm-hmm. that he's sort of this plotting uh lifeless guy in a lot of ways like he he kind of leaves that vince vaughn charm at the door you know and and that's a hard thing to do for a actor that for the most part in the last 10 15 years has gotten by on his charm yeah, you know yeah. uh it's really uh he's just this much emptier vessel and this uh this guy who's living a, a much richer inner life and is is very plain and understated externally and i think that's a pretty interesting thing for him to do an interesting place for him to go yeah i, I kind of like seeing this too uh he's definitely you know made some bad choices recently i'm thinking of like uh i, I don't know what the internship right things like that i didn't even see that things yeah. like that but also like uh, true detective season two didn't work out well for him but i appreciate that he's trying to do different things like he he can be a good actor he has a great physical presence, and I think this movie, probably more than any other I've seen with him, has just really knows how to uh, how to really use his imposing presence. So I appreciate that. And yeah. well, if if you haven't seen Return to Paradise, mm-hmm. I know it's an old movie, nineteen ninety eight, but it's really good. Joaquin Phoenix is in it, Anna Heche, uh Vera Farmiga, and oh, Vince wow. Vaughn, and it is really good. It's really good. Excellent. Well, yeah, looking forward to seeing what else uh, S. Craig Zoller is doing. Uh, looks like another crime movie. Uh, this one's starring Mel Gibson and Vince Vaughn. That's interesting. Oh. The script centers on two policemen, <laughs> one an old-timer, Gibson, and his other volatile younger partner, Vaughn, who find themselves suspended when a video of their strong-arm tactics, uh, yada, yada, yada. Like, uh, you know, the, the chief figures out what they're doing. Just based on hmm. this movie and based on Bone Tomahawk, I'm interested in seeing that, even though I tend to avoid Mel Gibson things these days. But yeah, it looks like they're yeah. basically getting this cast back together. Uh, Jennifer Carpenter, huh. Don Johnson's in it too, Michael J. White. So that sounds fun. Uh, I'm down with this. <laughs> I'll, yeah, I'll check it out. I think this is an interesting filmmaker for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. All right, Jeff, uh, where can people find you on the internet these days? Well, the easiest way is to follow me on Twitter. I'm at Jeff Canada, which is spelled with two N's and one T. 
Uh, I have several other shows, especially if you're interested in video games. I talk about video games every single day in a short, quick hit podcast called Newest, Latest, Best. It'll get you up to date in 10 minutes. And you can find it on Google Play or iTunes or by visiting anchor.fm slash NLB. And I have a weekly video game show called DLC that you can find at 5x5.tv slash DLC. Excellent. And you can find me on Twitter at Devendra. And I write about tech at Engadget.com. Look out this week. uh, We've got reviews coming out all over the place. I'm working on... You know, a certain new console right now. That review is going to be up this mm. week. Yes. Um, what else? Also, the new Amazon Kindle. Kind of interesting. And also the... Ex- the one Plus. you can get wet? The one I can get wet. I actually dunked it already. I had a lot of fun doing nice. that. Um, yeah, that's a cool little device. But check that out. I think we'll be reviewing Thor Ragnarok next week, Jeff. I'm looking forward to that one. Yeah. Have you seen it yet? Me too. I have seen it, yes. Oh, boy. Yeah, that's going to be a fun discussion, and we're going to try to get a yeah. great guest on for that. Uh, but with that, good night, everyone. eye-popping, jaw-dropping, heart-stopping reality TV. It's the best. Then head to Hey You, home of reality on demand. Stream and download the latest episodes from shows like Keeping Up with the Kardashians and The Real Housewives, same day as the US. What's more fun than that? Or binge old faves like The Simple Life and The Hills. That's hot. Hey You, reality on demand. Start your one-month free trial now.